I'm excited that we get to start this new series called Rain. Can you guys say rain? Rain. Not like the rain from the sky, but rain as in like rain, power, king uh, kind of thing. And uh, didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. And um, what's up, Elijah? So, uh, so we're going to be going through the book of Exodus together. Exodus. Exodus. Did I say Exodus? Oh, sorry. Uh, we're going to be going through the book of Exodus together, and uh, I feel like yours are so far away. It's really throwing me off. Yeah. I'm going to, honestly, I'm just going to have to come out here. It's really going to happen. Uh, um, so we're going to be going through the book of Exodus. So uh, uh, we're going to journey through the whole uh, book and the whole story of Exodus. So it's really important through the series. I would love, well, just in general, but I would love it if you would bring your Bibles with you. How many of you guys brought your Bibles tonight? Nice. One of the things I would love for us to do throughout this series is we're going to actually, we're going to actually, maybe some of you for the first time, we're going to open our Bibles and we're going to read together from the Bible. And uh, you might get bored, you might think, oh my gosh, why is he reading so much? But, but it's important, it's important that we open our Bible and that we read through the story, that we see what God has to say. And we're going to be answering this one question. All right, we're going to be answering this one question throughout this series, and the question is, what does it mean for God to be king? What does it mean for God's kingdom to be here on earth? What does it mean for for God to reign as king, to reign as king in our hearts and in our lives and in everything that we do? What does it mean for God to reign as king? And, And all through the story of Exodus, we see this we see God's character, and we see how God uh, shows himself, we see how God reveals his character in the way that he relates to the Israelite people, and we see that the Israelite people, they, they do a great job of making God king, and then they do a terrible job of making God king, and it's this cycle of back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm excited that we get to go through this and see this, and tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about how God calls us. We're going to talk about God calling us as king. So, we're going to be in Exodus, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2, or sorry, not chapter 2, chapter 3 and 4 tonight. We're going to read through those chapters. We're, we'll skip just like a little short portion. I know some of you, that sounds like a lot, but we're going to do it because I'm excited that we get to just dive into God's Word together. Um, so, really quickly, I'm going to give you a really fast history of everything that's happened before this. You ready for that? Yeah? So... In the beginning, we go to Genesis. We go all the way back to the beginning. And we've got, what'd you say? You can tell the story, Caitlin, for me? Come on, you can, you can do it, because I'm going to be out of breath already. Exactly, God created the heavens and the earth, God created everything, and God created Adam and Eve, and then we get Adam and Eve, and then they sin, and then they go back, and then they got Cain and Abel, and Cain, right, like Cain kills Abel, we got this story of Cain and Abel, then we got Noah, and we got Noah's ark, and God floods the earth, and then we got this guy named Abraham. Can you say Abraham. Abraham's an important person because God makes a promise to Abraham, and God's promise to Abraham was to make him a father of many nations. You heard the song, right? Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had father, right? I don't know the rest of it, but that's... Wow. 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 Nice. All right. Well, uh, Abraham was really old. And so it's kind of crazy that he, uh, right? I mean, do I need to explain biology to you that uh, it's kind of difficult to have kids when you're very, very old? Um, so so and anyway, that's a crazy story. You should go read it. <laughs> but uh, Abraham had a bunch of kids, and one of his kids' name was Isaac. Can you say Isaac? Isaac. 
Isaac, and Isaac is important because you're going to hear his name in the book of Exodus. And uh, Isaac, you've heard the story. Uh, this is when uh, the, the stun that, that God calls Abraham to sacrifice on the mountain, but then God stops him at the last minute. You can go read the story. It's an incredible story. And then Isaac grows up. He has a son named Jacob. Can you say Jacob? Jacob. Jacob has uh, this family drama. And uh, like we can relate to you. How many have family drama? Yes? families, you fight with your brothers and sisters. Well, Jacob had a brother named Esau, and they fight over this thing, and, and Jacob and Esau, they fight over this thing called a birthright, and Esau ends up selling it to him for a bowl of soup, which is crazy, and so they, uh, they do all this thing, and Jacob runs away, and he gets married, and he gets married to these two wives, which is a weird story, and they get married, he gets married, and they're jealous of each other because uh, Jacob has a favorite one, and it's crazy, and even more family drama, and it's difficult, and it's weird, and it's crazy, but then Jacob has a son named Joseph. Can you say Joseph? Joseph, and Joseph uh, is a uh, son of Jacob. Oh, I forgot a part, Jacob. Uh, Jacob, in his, this journey of him doing all these things and running from Esau, he ends up wrestling with God. And when he wrestles with God, God changes his name to Israel. Can you say Israel? He changes his name to Israel, which means wrestles with God. And so, Jacob has a son. Jacob, Israel, has a son named Joseph. He's got all these brothers. Joseph is the one who gets the, the coat, right? J- uh, Joseph, I'm getting mixed up with the names already. Jacob is Joseph's. Joseph is Jacob's favorite, and so the other brothers get jealous, they throw him into a pit, he gets sold into slavery, and all this crazy stuff happens to Joseph, but he ends up in Egypt, and he ends up going from the pit and and being suffering and and tortured and a slave to being in power and ruling in this palace of Egypt and being over in charge of all the food when there's a famine in the land. And so when there's a famine, he calls his family over, and there's this great story of reconciliation. It's awesome, it's great, you should go read it. It's the end of Genesis, we're not going to get there. But this is how... All the Israelite people get to Egypt. And so all the Israelite people, all of, uh, I lost the names, Joseph's family comes to Egypt where he's at. And then they start to have kids and have more kids. And this is where we get the Israelite people. And so the Israelite people are, end up in Egypt. And this is where we pick it up in the book of Exodus. All right? You follow me? That might have confused some of you. But now you know where we are, all right? And so we get the beginning of Exodus, right? And the beginning of Exodus, the Israelite people, they start to multiply like rabbits. I don't know if anybody have a rabbit before, okay? They start to multiply like rabbits. Rabbits have lots of babies, right? And so Israelites, they start to have lots of babies, and they have lots of kids, and they get bigger, and they get bigger, and they get bigger, and suddenly the Israelites are bigger than the Egyptians, and so the Egyptian Pharaoh gets scared, and so he says, now I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go, and I'm going to kill all the Israelite boys, Every Israelite boy that's born, I'm going to kill. Terrible, awful, right? But he's afraid because they're getting bigger than his people. And so he enslaves the Israelite people. And this is where we pick it up. There's a boy named Moses. And Moses is born, and his parents keep him, and they hide him, but they can't hide him for very long. And so his mom puts him in a basket. She makes this basket, uh, and it's an incredible incredible story in the first two chapters of uh, Exodus. And she puts him in this basket, puts him in the basket, floats him down the river, and it ends up being that the Pharaoh's daughter is bathing in the river, and she finds him, and ends up being that Moses grows up in, uh, in the royal family and grows up with them. And so Moses is stuck in between. He's an Israelite, but he grew up with, in royalty. And he grew up with the Pharaoh and all these things. And, and so Moses, then we meet Moses, and, and, and Moses grows up, and Moses has this encounter. Uh, Moses has this encounter where he sees an Egyptian, and he sees an Egyptian being 
mean, rude, I don't know, probably worse than that, uh, whipping something, like something bad, to an Israelite, right? To an Israel, so one of his people. And he goes up to the Egyptian, and he like whacks him in the head or something. I don't know, Ethan, some kind of like taekwondo move or something. And, and he kills him, okay? And he kills him, and he knocks him dead. And the Bible says that he drags him away, and he buries him in the sand. And so Moses, he murders someone. And then he goes the next day, and the Bible says that he sees two Israelites arguing, and he says, hey, guys, stop arguing. And they say, well, well what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us like you killed that guy? And so Moses gets scared because now his, his, his sin, his mess, his, the things that he did that me, he messed up on, now people know. And so he's afraid, and so he runs away, and now this is where we pick up. He, he, he's in the wilderness. He ran away. He finds this guy named Jethro, and he marries his daughter, and now he's working as kind of like a shepherd. And then God... At the end of chapter 2, God hears the cries of his people. He hears the cries of the Israelites. And the the last two words of of chapter 2, at least in this version, is God knew. God knew. And I love that that's the last two words because here's the thing. What does it mean for God to be king? It means that he's not just some faraway king that he's way off, but that God knows his people. And that when his people are hurting, God knows. So God heard the cries of his people, and God knew. And then we pick up the story with Moses in in chapter 3, all right? Are we there? Are we ready? You guys got Bibles? You uh, reading along with me? We ready for it? Yes? Okay, we're going to read. Here we go. Verse 1, chapter 3, it says this. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He, fl- he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It's an important mountain. It's going to come back later. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So there's this bush. Guys, I wish, I really wish I could have like gotten a bush and set it on fire and somehow not be consumed, but we'd probably burn the building down. So that wouldn't have happened. But so Moses sees this bush and it's not being consumed. It's not being consumed by the fire, not burning up. And so he's like, what the heck is going on? So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up. When the Lord saw that, that he had gone over, when he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come closer, God said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the father, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Those names sound familiar? Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help, has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. He says, Moses, therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. 
And then Moses asked, well, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and, and they say, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. And God goes on and tells him, listen, I need you to go. I need you to go and save my people. I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. And what God is saying in this I am who I am, what God is saying is I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he's saying is I am a God that doesn't change. And he's saying, listen, I am who I am. And I promise you that I will not break this promise. I'm sealing it with my name. He's saying, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. And I didn't let, I didn't let those people down, so I'm not going to let you down. I'm with you, Moses. And so we're going to jump down. We're going to jump down to chapter 4. Moses, he hears from God. God says, I'm going to do all these incredible things, and I'm going I'm to be with you, and I want you to go. And then Moses answers in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me and will not obey me, but say, the Lord didn't appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand, Moses? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake. Guys, I also really wished like, that I could have gotten a real snake and threw it at Caitlin or something, because that would have been hilarious. And AJ would have ran out of the room, because that would have been really funny. So he said, he said listen, take your, take your staff, throw it on the ground. It became a snake. And, he, and then Moses ran from it. Moses is afraid of snakes, guys. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand, grabbed it, grabbed, he stretched out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. So he told him, this is a miracle that I'm giving you to do, to show them that I'm with you. He says, this will take place, he continues, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. He keeps saying this over and over again because he wants him to know that he's constant, that he will not break his promise. In addition, the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was a disease resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. It was healed. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they, will may, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And then he says, if they don't believe even the two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. What is God doing? This seems like weird, right? God is giving him tools to go. He's giving him tools to go and do and equipping him to go and do what God's called him. To do. But Moses replied, this is the last part we're reading. Moses replied, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in, in the past or recently or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. What's Moses doing? Making excuses. I love God's answer. You ready? I love this. The Lord said to him, Moses, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not me, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. God says, listen, who made you, who gave you the mouth that's on your face? I'm going to be with you. 
But Moses still isn't convinced. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he's on his way to meet you. And he will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help, you, I'll help both you and him to speak, and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you, and you will serve as God to him. And take the staff in your hand, for you will perform the signs with it. What's God doing? Giving him tools to go and do what he's called him to do. Now, I know that was long. I know that was long. I know that, that it was big, but, but here's the thing. I want to point out just a couple things that we see in this story. We're going, to act, we're going to work backwards in the story. We read the story like it is, and we're going to actually work backwards throughout the story and see just a couple things that God does as king, what it means for God to reign as king, that he calls us and what he does as he calls us. Okay? So, so here, here, here's, uh, here's what I want to ask you. How many of you guys have ever, like, been asked to do a job and not really known, like, how to do it? Yeah? Okay? Probably most of us, right? Like, and, like maybe, I mean, that might happen to you daily, right? AJ was talking last night about math. How many of you guys, like, your, your teacher gives you a math problem and you're like, and he, he says, just do it. And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how am I supposed to get, right? Like, that was me with, like, science and chemistry and all those, like, weird things, right? Like, the, like I just didn't, couldn't understand it, couldn't get it. I'm glad some of you can because I couldn't, right? Uh, th- there's, when I worked for houseboats, I worked for Sunshine for a few years, and when I worked for houseboats, they, uh, one of the things they did was they took the, the new drivers, the drivers of the houseboat. Houseboats are really big. You understand that? Those of you who have been to houseboats, raise your hand. Yes, yep. Houseboats are like crazy. They're big. They're like just really slow, and, and they're not difficult to drive, but they're difficult to like maneuver around. So they took us out. They, they were with us when we like parked up the houseboats. They, park, they, they had us park it up and they had us tie it all together like we do when we go uh, to houseboats. If you haven't been to houseboats, you should go this year. Um, and, uh, and, and then what they did was they came and we all sat in the room. And we talked about like, okay, this is what we did, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, all right, all of you, there was, I think there was four of us that were new that year. And they said, all right, you, you four... You need to be back by 5 o'clock. And they said, there's four of you, there's four boats. Each of you gets a boat. Each of you is going to pull the anchor up. Each of you is going to pull the front tie in. Each of you is going to get in the water and pull it out of the tree. And then you're going to reverse the boat out. Try not to hit the rocks. And you're going to try to figure out how to make your way back to the docks because we had no idea how to maneuver through the delta. And they said, we're going to leave. We're going to leave out of the ski boat, and you're just going to figure it out. How terrified do you think we were? So, t- we literally, like, I think we sat there, we were sitting in, like, one of the houseboats, and then they all just left, and we just literally just sat there, probably for a good, like, minute, and just stood at each other, and we're like, what do we do? Like, we literally were terrified. How do you think Moses felt? How do you think Moses felt when God says, listen, you might be a murderer, you might be a wanderer, and you might be running from your people, but I want you to go back, and not just to go back, but I want you to go to the Pharaoh, the most important, the most rich and powerful man in probably the world, and tell him I need you to let your slave, your army of slaves go. How terrified do you think Moses would have been? But here's what God's saying, and here's what God's chosen. Here's what he's saying about his call. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You can write that in on your outline. God God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. 
there's another way we could say it. God doesn't call, this one's more difficult, so I'll have to slow myself down. But God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. So you could put that one underneath it. See, see God, doesn't, God doesn't need you to get your act together before you come to him. He just asks you to come. He calls you to come, and that he will be with you as you go. Moses wasn't qualified. He didn't have all the leadership skills and read all the leadership books and go to school for it and figure out how to lead a nation of people. He wasn't qualified. God qualified him. He wasn't equipped, but God equipped him. So when we sit there and we think, man, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. God equips you. God qualifies you. Moses was afraid, right? He said, I can't speak. I don't know how to talk, God. I, I, have, a, I have a stutter. I have something. My, my mouth just doesn't work right. And then God says, yeah, Moses, I know. I'm the one that made your mouth. And so if I made your mouth, Moses, don't you think I can help you? Don't you think I can be with you? Don't you think I can give you the words to say it? Here's the thing. Here's the next thing. God's tools erase our excuses. God's tools erase our excuses. Guys, we have excuses. I have excuses. I've made excuses. Right? We, we have, we all have made excuses. And, and when, when we make excuses, sometimes we make the excuses like, I'm not good enough. God, I know you're calling me to love that person. I know you're calling me to, to share you with that person. I know you're calling me to bring that person to church. I know you're calling me to do these things, but, but I'm just not good enough. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how to do this. I'm not good enough. We make those excuses. We believe those lies. But you know what God says? But I am. And because I am, I say you are. Because I'm with you, you are. We make the excuse that, God, I, I just, I don't know what to say. God, if I, if, if I bring someone, if, if I tell someone about you, if I, if I go and I just try to love a person or just try to, to care for a person, I just, I don't know what to say. It's awkward. It's weird. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to say. That was Moses' excuse. And what did God say? Who made your mouth? Who gave you a mouth on that face? Who put that big mouth on that ugly mug of yours, right? Like, seriously, who put a tongue in your mouth? God, he created you, he made you. And so don't you think that he can give you the words to say? The Bible says later, Jesus says that, that, that if, if, if you go and tell people about him, that you don't have to worry about being prepared, that he, the Holy Spirit will speak and give you the words to say. That he will teach you and help you know what to say. We make the excuse, I don't, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time for you. I don't have enough time to, to read my Bible. I don't have enough time to, to spend time with people and to love people. And I'm just, I'm just so busy, God. I just, I don't have enough time. I've been there. I've made that excuse. But man, who, who made the sun to rise? Who gives you time? Who gives you breath and the fact that you can live and breathe every single day? Don't you think you can give five, ten minutes of your time to God who gives you that time? And then we make the excuse that, man, no, no one's going to listen to me. 
This was Moses' excuse too. No one's going to listen to me, God. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I don't know enough. I'm, no, how are people going to listen to me? God says, no, listen. We heard this, this last week we went to a conference and we heard this and I loved this and so I wrote it down and I'm just going to steal it. God's, God's not calling you to results. He's calling you to obedience. He's not calling you. He's not, listen, God's not sitting up there and just think, saying like, well, this person like told someone about me today. Well, this person, like this person brought someone to church and uh, so I'm going to write that one down. And this person got someone to believe in me today, so I'm going to write that one down. That's not how God works. He just calls us to be obedient to him. That you used to walk in love for him and love for others. He's calling you to be obedient. And so when you believe that no one will listen to you, God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And so even if no one does, I'm with you. This isn't about what God wants from us, guys. This isn't about what he wants from us. It's what he wants for it's about glorifying him. And so God's tools, his promises, they get rid of all of the excuses that we have. And so God tells Moses, go. Go. First, he tells him to go. Well, actually, that was the second thing. The first thing he does is interesting. We go back to chapter 3. Remember I told you how we're going to work backwards? If we go back to chapter 3, the first encounter that Moses has with God is with this burning bush. And he sees this bush... And God calls out to Moses. And he says, Moses, Moses. And he calls him to come. And so this is what God calls us. He calls, God calls us to be with him. God calls us to be with him. That's the next thing you can write in. God calls us to be with him. We see this in the burning bush, right? That there's this burning bush thing happening, and Moses is, is like intrigued by it, and he doesn't, and, he, and he's confused and looking at it, and so he walks closer, and God calls out to him, Moses, Moses, right? We read it. When the Lord said, when the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. By name, God calls out to him. He calls Moses by name. And when we hear our name, what do we do? Your mom calls your name, what do you do? You turn around, you look, right? You try to find where it's coming from, right? This is what God's calling us to do. He calls us by name. Come, turn and be with me. Just come. You don't have to be qualified. Man, just come. Revelation says it like this. It says, look, I stand at the door. And I've said this verse so many times, you probably know it by now. Good, you should. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God, Jesus just wants us to come and eat with him. How cool is that? And I'm convinced that, that God is calling each of us to be with him. And some of, us, some of us have answered like Moses. Moses answered and he said, here I am. And some of us have done that. But some of us in here haven't. Some of us in here ignore it. Some of us in here feel that call. Some of us in here feel our hearts burning and, and, and feel that, that calling of us to make that decision and to walk with him, but, but, but we're too afraid. We think we're not good enough. We think we have to be qualified. You realize that Moses was a murderer. Moses ran from his past. Moses ran from his people. And God still called him. 
See, here's the second thing. God calls us into holiness despite our past. God calls us into holiness despite our past. We read in Exodus, it was 3 verse 5. It was right after he called him over Moses, Moses. He said, listen, God stopped him. He said, do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. You get what God's doing? He's saying, listen, Moses, I know your past. I know you've murdered someone. I know you're a sinner. I know you're broken. I know you've ran from your people. I know you've run from your sin. I know. But he says, listen, I want you to take off your sandals. Leave your past behind. And just come and be with me. Come walk in holiness with me. Wholeness with me. Because this is what God's calling us to do. And the crazy thing you, you know what the gospel is? Can I just tell you how incredible this is? The gospel is that not only does God call us, but in Jesus, he came to us. He calls us to be with him, but in Jesus, he came down to be with us. To bring his holiness. So that we can live with him forever. This is the gospel. And each of us has, a, has an opportunity to respond like Moses here I am. 